Listener production. Oh, I've been at death's door. With not COVID-19. We, we have no way of knowing that for certain. I suppose that's true. Right. Anyway, okay, go, mm. go. Okay. Oh, Jesus, let's... <clears throat> the world's ending. Go, do it. Bubble bio. Bubble bio. Hello and welcome to Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast where Rosie Waterland gives us just the gist of what we need to know about a topic of her choosing, which this week, Rosie, <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks between drinks. What are you going to tell us about today? Well, I thought I'd do my part in um, alleviating people's fears and not stoking the panic of the moment. So this week's episode is about Spanish flu. <laughs> 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 oh, somewhat uh, topical. Yeah. Um, hello. Hello. We haven't been here for a while. No. Because, um, well, we were on tour mm-hmm. and then um, I got sick with not COVID, mm-hmm. with Spanish the flu. regular flu. <laughs> the regular flu. I mean, I went to the doctor and he did say it was regular flu. Mm-hmm. I tried to get tested for corona because I was worried because, like, I was really sick, had all the symptoms, and although I hadn't been overseas, you know, we'd been on tour, so I'd been in a lot of hotels, a lot of planes, a lot of airports, mm-hmm. um, and I went to the testing place and um, waited three and a half hours, and by the time I got in there, the girl said, have you been overseas? And I said, no. And she said, have you come into contact with anyone who has it? And I said, no. And she goes, well, you're not getting tested. And I said, okay, like, I don't want to be that Karen, (laughs) but if you had just told me that three and a half hours ago, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have sat here this whole time. Mm -hmm. And also most of these people wouldn't have sat here this whole time. So then there wouldn't be a three and a half hour wait and you wouldn't be overrun Mm. and most people would go home feeling fine. Mm -hmm. And she was like, do you want to talk to a doctor? And I was like, oh, aren't you a doctor? (laughs) And she she just looked at me and I was like, "Mm, no, okay, I'll just leave. So I just left. (laughs) So all of that three and a half hour experience could have been thwarted with a sign. Yeah, just, just saying. Just a sign. Because I called the hotline before I went in mm. and I told them, I was like, look, I haven't been overseas, but blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, no, you should go in mm. and get tested. And so I went in and then they were like, no, we're not going to test you, which I get because there's not enough tests and they're mm. trying to be economical and stuff. I mean, this was two weeks ago now. Um, but yeah, they were just like, no. And I said, but I've been sitting here for three and a half hours. Like, if I'd just come in and you'd said, do you have this? No, this? Mm. No, I would have gone, sweet. I'll go home. Mm. But no, they didn't do that. Alas. And And then I did go to the regular doctor and he was like, you've just got the regular flu, Mm -hmm. he said. So. Can you tell us about the um, anti-contagion sterilization procedures and protocol that we're following? When I walked into the testing center, um, okay, so first of all, the doors are locked. Mm -hmm. Like the automatic doors that normally open, they don't open. And so a security man comes and lets you in. And then you walk in and you go over to a nurse who's in full, like, hazmat gear. And you you can't touch anything. You immediately put your hands out and she puts um, hand sanitizer on your hands mm-hmm. and you have to rub them together. And then they um, hand you a, a box full of masks and you have to put a mask on. And then they pick up a clipboard that has a form on it that you have to fill out, but they pick it up and they spray it all over. Spray, (laughs) spray, 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 spray everywhere. Spray, spray, spray. And then they hand you the thing and then they get a pen and they wipe it and they hand you the pen. And then you go and sit on this chair 
that's like all the chairs are split like two meters apart. Mm. And then when people get up to go into the testing room, a person comes over and like wipes the chair legs and the chair and all of that stuff. But then also while I was there, and I'm not going to say what testing center it is because I don't want to get them in trouble, but nurses who were coming on to shift were like, hey, and hugging each other. And like, <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like I couldn't. And they're like, what's up? This is crazy, right? Because this is a couple of weeks ago when yeah. it didn't feel serious yeah. yet. Mm. And like, and I was like, this all seems a bit. So it was so cray cray. And But then I sat there for three and a half hours when I didn't even need to be there. I was mm. like. If I wasn't sick before, I probably am now. Yeah. Like, it was just the weirdest mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Um, and why are they so low on tests? Um, just because to manufacture them takes resources, time, money. Right. I don't think they were expecting it to blow up the way it did. And everyone wants to be tested. I think more people want to be tested than need to be, which mm. is why I called the hotline before mm-hmm. I went in and they told me I should go. And then when you're there, they tell you only get tested with these criteria. But I think also um, two weeks ago, it was still, it felt containable or that it was contained. Mm. But now um, people are picking it up just within Australia. So there's no way to know if you've come into contact with someone. Like we're past that point mm-hmm. of knowing. Now and also Tom because Hanks they. Has been on the loose. Well, yeah, Tom Super Hanks has been on the loose. And people keep not mentioning, but she's a legend herself. Rita Wilson, his mm-hmm. wife, also been on the loose. I mean, she's the one who infected Richard Wilkins. Oh, <laughs> did Richard Wilkins have it? Yes, which they think from Rita Wilson. Oh. So, you know, and then he possibly gave it to his son Christian. And then before Christian knew, he went off and did Dancing with the Stars on Sunday night. So then that means they could all have it. It's just bloody spreading oh. like... Crazy town. No offense, Richard. I'm not. La- no, I know. It's just, but it's absurd. Yes. Everything just feels absurd. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it's it's cray cray. And I think, but we're past the point of containment now. Like, we're at the point now where all we can really do is mitigate the mm-hmm. effects, which yep. is why social distancing mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, flattening the curve. Mm-hmm. Which I'm so sick of people saying, like, which, and we were saying it a few weeks ago, like. You know, it's not that bad. If you get mm-hmm. it, it's like a cold. It's only immunocompromised people, which I always forget is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Because, like, I have a thyroid disorder, which means I'm immunocompromised. I get sick all the time. Mm. But um, I think the thing is now that people are realising it's not about whether or not you get it. You're probably going to get it. It's whether or not you become a vector, which means a carrier who passes mm-hmm. it on to people who could die if yes. they get it. Mm. Like old people mm. and me. Mm. <laughs> Think of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing a very good job of self-isolating, which is why we've been away uh, yes. for a couple of we weeks. Literally, I've literally been home for like, I just mm-hmm. stayed home. I mean, because I had the flu, so I didn't really want to leave the house anyway, but also just in case. Yeah. But I'm much better now. And mm. I feel like I finally felt better and got up and took a shower and I was like, I'm re-entering the world. And the government was like, go home. <laughs> so I was finally ready to come out and we all have to go back in. Uh-huh. But here we are back in the studio and I'm sure you have missed bringing us the breaking news theme oh, song. Oh, well, I mean, this just is all breaking news. <laughs> breaking news, breaking news, X-ray, X-ray, uh... Get the scoop, see? <laughs> Did you know someone on Instagram said to me, I love when you say get the scoop, see, 
and she wrote S C O O P S I E, like scoopsy. Oh. <laughs> but I'm saying get the scoop. Comma C question mark. Get the scoop C C. Because that's how old time people talk. Yeah. Gotta get the scoop C <laughs> C. You're gonna get the scoop. Gonna break some news coming at you, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I guess it is just all COVID nineteen. Yep. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, breaking news for me is that basically my whole tour is being cancelled, <laughs> which I've been spruiking on this bloody podcast for months, <laughs> which sucks. So we did Canberra and Adelaide and then, um, you know, it's it sucks, but it's fair. It has yeah, to be done. Yeah, yeah. I play pretty big venues, so um, that just completely breaks the rules of social distancing. Um, Brisbane got cancelled. Melbourne got cancelled. Sydney and Perth aren't until May, but it's looking like mm. they will probably. They'll all just get rescheduled, though, they'll to later re- in Yes, the year. they'll yeah. all get rescheduled, mm. hopefully, if we can. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people trying to reschedule a lot of things. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky in that financially it's a bit of a blow for me because it means I just don't get paid. But I'm with a touring company who covers all the costs of the tour, mm. whereas there are other people whose tours, they're covering all the costs themselves. And so they're just, it's been a catastrophic financial hit mm-hmm. for a lot of independent artists. And then just for everyone, because everything's... Oh, yeah. If you work in a theatre. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything's shut. Like I do reviews of um, the opera for Opera Australia called Sneakers at the Opera, Google it. And um, a bunch of things I was meant to be reviewing over the next couple of months all cancelled. Mm. Like everything at the Opera House cancelled. Concerts cancelled. Everything cancelled. Mm. <laughs> like it feels weird. Sport cancelled. Don't really care about that, but, you know. Mm. What are we going to do? I don't, well, I mean, I'll be fine because I love television. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, people are like, how do you stay at home for weeks and only watch TV? I'm like, um, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Welcome to Rosie's life. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I'll be fine. It's weird that there's no, um, like, I'm literally down to my last roll of toilet paper, which is one you gave me when you stayed over last <laughs> week. Like, supermarkets are empty. I don't know how are you going to eat because you only eat weird, fresh things. You left your weird bag of witch spices at my house last week. Oh, yeah. Have you I need been to looking get that. for that? Yeah. Yeah, it's on my kitchen bench. I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Does it need to go in the fridge or something? That's what keeps me healthy. No, it doesn't. It's just like yeah. a pouch of turmeric and <laughs> some other weird things. I don't know. I'll post the recipe on um, just the Gist podcast Instagram. I think that'll be fine, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> If, you, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are interested. Um, but, it, I mean, it is feeling nuts. Mm. Like, Italy's on complete lockdown, and this, that means they can't leave their houses. I mean, the police are roaming the streets, arresting people if they're out when they're not meant to be. You're allowed out to go to the supermarket, but then because you're only allowed out to do that, the lines for the supermarket are, like, three hours long. <sighs> it's like It's like apocalypse movie stuff. Yeah. How long are they saying it'll last? Well, I mean, it depends on how good people are at, like, slowing the um, spread of the virus. So Mm. people are really worried about New South Wales because New South Wales at the moment is where Italy was three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And Italy three weeks ago had, like, the same amount of infections that we have, like, 300. And today they've got, like, 
what is it, like 25,000 or something. Like it just went Mm. And so governments are learning from Italy that they effed up and that we need to take it seriously. So I think it depends, like, social distancing means that we're not going to stop everyone getting it. Like, most people are going to get it. They're saying probably around 40% of the population are going to get it. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes catastrophic is when everybody gets it at once and then our hospitals don't have the resources to take care of everyone. So, for example, if, like, you know, 40% of the population get it and that means that of those people, most of them are fine, but the particularly immunocompromised people need to go into intensive care and that's, like, 20,000 people, we only have, like, 400 intensive care beds in the country. Mm. So the point of social distancing and slowing the spread of the virus isn't to stop it completely. It's to like mitigate when people get sick and spread it out so we can at least handle it. Mm -hmm. But also social distancing means that we will slow the spread of the virus to the point where by the time, you know, six months or a year is up, most people will have had it and then they're immune to it. Mm -hmm. And other people would have got it and died. Oh, is it like and the chickenpox? You have it once and then you're yeah. immune. Ah. Well, it's like most strains of flu. Once you've had that particular strain, you probably won't get it again. Ah. Um, and so they think it will eventually just kind of die out. It looks like it is in Hong Kong and China and um, South Korea where they've been really strict mm. about um, uh, quarantining people and treating people and stuff. But um, they're saying like six months at least, they think think life is going to be very different. It's really great timing for me to... Um... I love it because <laughs> you were about to go overseas yes. and leave me all alone and now you have to stay here. <laughs> I've been grounded. <laughs> Left my job, got rid of all my possessions so I could go travel the world and now I can't leave the country. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Think Thank of all the Justice episodes we can record. Yay. And look, while we were on tour, people were super into you and you were kind of famous and they kept saying they wanted us to do live shows. <laughs> so when we're allowed to gather in groups of more than 20 again, mm-hmm. I think we should start doing that. The day will come. I know. For sure. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. I mean, people think ScoMo handled it badly. and Doesn't he handle everything badly? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think he just, what I think he seemed to be where we were a few weeks ago, a few days ago. Like Mm. a few weeks ago, we were like, oh, what's this weird virus? What's happening? Well, it's kind of funny. What's going on? And then in the last few weeks, it's been like, oh, no, it's really serious and people are going to die. And it may not affect you badly, but unless you're a selfish dick, like Mm. it's going to affect other people. So stay home and do the right things. And Whereas he was like, I'm going to the footy this weekend. It's going to be fun. And then they were like, lol, no, no one's allowed to go to the footy. And he, like, he just doesn't, I don't know. And he was going to go to a Hillsong convention as well. No, he did go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, far out. On the Sunday. Yeah, and at the Hillsong convention, there's footage of it on Twitter. Th- their main guy was like doing this prayer, protecting everyone in the convention centre from COVID-19. And it was like, no, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> And if our Prime Minister's in there, I'm a little worried mm-hmm. if he thinks he's protected now. Yeah. Because he went to a church service. So he was immune to Peter Dutton because of his faith. I get. I don't know. 
personally, Hillsong's gross. They're anti-gay and they're pro-taking people's money. And mm. why would you support an anti-LGBTQ church? Because they can protect you from COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Like, whatever. I mean, Donald Trump had been around, like, quite a few people who had had it because it started spreading, I mean, particularly at high levels of government because those people are constantly travelling mm. and meeting with each other and a bunch of people he'd been in contact with had it and the press kept hounding him, are you going to get tested? And he kept going, I don't need to get tested. And <laughs> eventually they released a press statement saying he got tested and it was negative. But then last night a reporter said to him, so what was the test like? And he went, uh, you know... It was a test. It was a medical test. And medical tests, well, they're tests. And mm. you get the tested with the medical and it was, it's a medical test and it wasn't, it was, and it was like, you never got the test. He doesn't even know what it is. Mm. So. I'm not surprised at all. Just bizarre. People have this sense of invincibility for themselves, yeah. but then also like. You're going to hurt other people. Stop mm. being dicks. Like, I couldn't believe it on the weekend. I had to walk down to the shops to get, well, I was looking for toilet paper in vain, but I walked past my local cafe and it was pouring rain, so it was packed on the inside, mm. all with young hipsters in their 20s, like crammed into this cafe having brunch, all close to each other. And I was like, you f dicks. Like, you're meant to be social distancing. Stay mm. home. Mm. Why are you looking at me like that? Did you no, go to brunch on Saturday? About, no, well, yes, I did. <laughs> um, and then on Friday night, I went out to a restaurant with my friend. Didn't realise we were supposed to be social distancing. We were the only two people yeah. in the entire restaurant. And you could tell they really wanted us to leave because they were like, we could just have the night off. Well, but also, I mean, business <clears> is going to be bad for people in restaurants, but that's mm. why most places are switching to takeout only. And they're, like, coming up with systems where, you know, um, you text them when you get there, they'll come out to your car, give it to you, like, wow. all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think restaurants still want support because everyone's going to be effed. Mm. There's going to be so many unemployed people in so many industries. Like, it just stretches so far and wide. Mm. It's bizarre. Yeah. Oh, any other headlines in the news? Um, Probably not. Our Instagram grew in a lot of followers. <laughs> Yay. Wait, let's check it right now. Hold on. Um, so Am I following it? I think you are. It's got 1,222 followers. Yeah. I know. Up from the 100 random people who were following when there was nothing on there. <laughs> so at the moment, there's a photo of me and you. There's that amazing photo of that Titanic family. And there's a photo of me sneezing snot all over oh, myself. Oh, I remember when you sent that to me. <laughs> Shall we add another one today? Let's add another one We'd today. We'd best, yes. All right. So with all that amazing news about what could possibly be the end of civilization as we know it because mm -hmm. of a flu. Mm -hmm. Shall we get to today's topic? The Spanish flu. The Spanish flu. Because that's what everyone's comparing this to, right? Um, there hasn't really been anything like the Spanish flu until now. Mm -hmm. I mean, even things like H1N1, I mean, um, the Spanish flu was technically a form of H1N1, but when we say it now, we are thinking of SARS. Mm. Like that didn't spread as quickly or as massively as this has. I think maybe this could have the potential to be as bad as the Spanish flu did from the research I've done. And let me just say right now, I'm not a doctor. 
and I researched a flu and there was a lot of complicated medical things that I'm giving you just the gist of. (laughs) And I know it's probably going to annoy a lot of medical people, Mm -hmm. but it's just the gist, Mm -hmm. i.e. as much as I could understand. (laughs) But from what I can understand, this probably could be as bad if it was back then Mm -hmm. when, you know, for a lot of the reasons the Spanish flu was as bad as it was is because they didn't wash hands and they couldn't, they didn't have antibiotics and all that kind of thing that mm-hmm. we do have now. So, mm-hmm. But also it's different in the way it affects people, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Is this before or after the Titanic? As uh, after. After. Uh-huh. The Spanish flu uh, took place in 1918 to 1919. Mm-hmm. Titanic was 1912. Mm-hmm. Um, and first of all, it's called the Spanish flu, not because it originated in Spain, which everybody thinks. But it's because it happened um, during World War One. So the it started in mid twenty eight twenty eighteen. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> mid nineteen eighteen, mm-hmm. and World War One ended in October of nineteen eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it first started breaking out in places, um, there was kind of a uh, a form of censorship going on in most countries' press because of the war. So mm-hmm. like. Places like Europe and the US and Australia as well uh, had rules about what you could and could not report on to like keep up country morale and to also stop other enemy countries from finding out if bad things were happening in your country. Mm. So although the flu was spreading everywhere, no one was really reporting on it because they didn't want anybody else to know that it was affecting their country during the war. But Spain wasn't in the war because they were like, you guys can fight amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. No thanks. We'll be fine. Uh-huh. And so they were just reporting on the flu like, what the F is going on? All these people are getting this flu. Mm. And so all the reports about the flu and all the news stories about the flu were coming from Spain to the point where the king of Spain got the flu and they were like, what is this F and flu? And so people thought it was Spanish, but... Uh. It wasn't really. They were just the only ones talking about it. Right. So that's how I got the name Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Some people have tried to since change the name to like the Great Influenza or the 1918 Influenza, but it just doesn't stick. Everyone calls it Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a third. Wait, did you say where it did originate, or do we not know? I'm getting to. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, good. A third of the world's. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a third of the world's entire population which at the time was 500 million, got it, Um, uh, between 50 to 100 million people died. And keep in mind that's within the space of a year. Mm. Um, But they, and the reason there's such a discrepancy in that number is um, because they sort of didn't really know what it was at first. So a lot of them weren't recorded as that. And then when they did know what it was, people were dying of in different ways and so deaths would get recorded in different ways and but they think it's anywhere between 50 to 100 mm-hmm. million. So it's not entirely known or agreed upon fully how it started. Mm. So um, soldiers in World War One, it was the end of World War One, so it was like, get us the F out of here, we're done with this. Um, they were tired, they were malnourished, so they therefore had pretty bad immune systems. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them started getting sick with flu-like symptoms, but then would get regular in a few days. So it was like a regular flu at first. But what they think is at some point the flu 
mutated because people were traveling, soldiers were traveling to all different points all over the world. And so a flu from somewhere mutated with a flu from somewhere else and Mm -hmm. went mega flu. (laughs) And like, that's what happened. Is that how it works? That's how Ah. it works. So there's a few theories as to how um, the flu kind of mutated. So the main one is that the flu started at a place called Camp Funston in Kansas in America. Mm -hmm. So there were soldiers there, a soldier there reported to the infirmary with flu-like symptoms and within 12 hours there was like 800 of them all had these flu-like symptoms. Mm. And um, But most of them were fine and within a few days it went away, it just seemed like a regular flu. And then a lot of those soldiers, um, because Camp Funston was a training camp, then went over to Europe and at some point in Europe it mutated and then those soldiers went home to America with this like mega flu mutation virus. Mm -hmm. They think that it was like some kind of bird because it's H1N1, which is technically bird flu. Mm -hmm. So they think a regular flu at some point mutated with some kind of bird flu Mm -hmm. and mutated into mega flu. (laughs) And then the soldiers just took it all back to their countries Mm -hmm. and that's how it spread so quickly, particularly because it was the end of the war, so everyone was going home. Um, they, another theory is that, um, a lot of Chinese workers were brought into Europe, um, to help with the war effort to do things like dig trenches and all the kind of work that they didn't want to do. Um, a lot of those workers came in with like a flu, like, you know, that's from the East and, and, um, from the Asian kind of part of the world that, um, they think maybe that was the mutation that Mm -hmm. mixed with that mutation, but it could be argued that they had a regular flu and it just mixed with the US mutation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But whatever happened. We got mega flu. We got mega flu. Mm -hmm. Um, The flu came in three waves. So the first wave is like I talked about. Soldiers got it. They were sick for a few days. A lot of people got it actually, like the Spanish king got it, but he got better. Mm -hmm. It kind of killed the amount of people that regular flu kills. Mm -hmm. That was in like mid 1918. People just got fever, sore throat, cough, fatigue, all that kind of flu stuff. Um, It was the second wave that was really deadly. So they think that that's after the mutation Mm -hmm. of the genes in the flu happened. So when the second wave of the flu came, it came on really fast and literally had the ability to kill a healthy person within 24 hours. Like it was at the point where someone would wake up and go, I feel a bit weird. And by 4 p.m. they were dead. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Like. Wow. Yeah. So um, the deadliest month was um, October 1918. In the U.S., 185,000 people died in that one month alone. Um, And so when I say people died quickly, it was pretty bad. Like you basically drowned in your own blood and fluids. So like you would start, you, first of all, you, cause it affects your respiratory system. Mm. So you'd start feeling a bit sick and then within a few hours you couldn't breathe properly. And then you weren't getting enough blood uh, oxygen to your blood. So Mm. people um, say that one of the main signs was that your cheeks would go like blue and then purplish because you weren't getting enough oxygen in your system. Mm. 
then you would start just bleeding out of all your orifices, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth. You would cough and just like apparently just projectile blood across the room. And um, then you would die because you just, your lungs drowned in your own blood. And so for me, that wasn't really enough. I was like, but why? Mm. You know? And so this is where I sort of went down a bit of a medical rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. I'm going to explain this as best I can. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing about the Spanish flu and the thing that made it different to even this flu that we have now is that it affected young, healthy people. Mm -hmm. And usually it affects little babies or older people or Mm -hmm. immunocompromised people. But the crazy thing about the Spanish flu is that people in their, strong people in their 20s and 30s were the main people dropping dead and Mm -hmm. they couldn't work out why. And, you know, in the years since when scientists have gone back and done tests and stuff, they figured out what they think it was. So basically they think when people got this flu, their bodies would react with something called um, a cytokine explosion. Mm -hmm. And that is when, if you have a really healthy immune system, so like young people in their 20s and 30s, you are going to react to illness in a way that protects you and heals you, right? Mm -hmm. So like you get a cold and your body reacts with like inflammation to protect you and then you get better. Or like you break your ankle, your body does a thing where your ankle swells up to protect you and you start to heal and you get better. So that's like when you get inflammation, that is your body trying to heal itself. That's your immune system Mm -hmm. kicking in, right? With a cytokine explosion, the body's immune system is so good and it was so shocked by how dangerous the Spanish flu was that the immune response was just too much. Mm-hmm. So, like, normally if you get a virus, say, for, like, bronchitis, your body's immune system is that your throat swells up, maybe your glands get swollen, whatever, have that for a few days, you get better, blah. But with this, if you had a healthy immune system and your body came into contact with the Spanish flu, your body was like, what? And your immune system was like, battle station, and just like totally like overreacted. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason people's lungs were filling up with blood and blood was coming out of their ears and stuff because basically your body would go into inflammation protection mode, which would cause your lungs and your throat to hemorrhage, which means it like um, explode with blood, mm. and then you drown in your own blood from your body trying to protect you. Ooh. So the healthiest people were the most at risk because the stronger your immune system, the like stronger the reaction to yeah. the flu was going to be, which was going to mess you up even more. So it was actually better for you with the Spanish flu to have a weaker immune system because then you wouldn't be able to respond with this cytokine explosion. Wow. Yes. Which was why, so the soldiers that were returning from war who had lowered immune systems were able to then be vectors because they weren't dying as quickly. As quickly, yes. Um, And it, like, basically um, people would, like, drown in their own blood and doctors who did autopsies on all the people who had died said the lung damage was so bad that it looked worse than what they'd seen in cases of chemical warfare. Like that's how bad it was. Oh, I know. It sounds like something that would be made up for I know. contagion or it's outbreak or something. Kind of 
is like that. Yeah. Um, but also people didn't just die of symptoms of the flu or the cytokine explosion. Um, they would also die from stuff like pneumonia because if you survived sort of the first few days of the flu, if you didn't have, if you weren't killed from a cytokine explosion and drowning in your own blood, your uh, immune system would be so effed and your body would be so effed that, that you'd then pick up something like pneumonia or a bug and that would kill you mm. as well. So that sort of was a way that took longer to die, but it was still a way that people died. And antibiotics didn't exist back then. Mm. So today, if you got a virus like this and then you got pneumonia from it, we'd just give you antibiotics and you'd probably be fine. But mm. they didn't have that back then. So... Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty effing intense. I didn't um, think antibiotics work for viruses. No, they don't work for infections. Oh, right. Sorry, the infection that's a result of the virus. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, right? Yeah. No, wait. They don't work for viruses, but they do work for infections. Bacterial and the infection. infection is the result, is what you get because you're weak from the virus. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So there'd be things like bacterial pneumonia, bacterial infections, throat infections, chest infections mm -hmm. that people would get that now could quite easily be treated with antibiotics. But mm -hmm. They weren't back then, mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Um, you sound very medically proficient right now. I've got to tell you. It's probably all wrong. <laughs> but look, this is just the gist and this is this is as best as I could understand it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the symptoms were pretty gruesome. Um, sufferers would initially develop a fever, become short of breath. Mm -hmm. They'd get that thing in their cheeks. Hemorrhages would fill the lungs with blood, cause catastrophic, uh, catastrophic vomiting, nosebleeds. And then they die. Ugh. And how long did this go on for? Um, so the first wave started in around March of 1918, and that mm. was sort of just a flu. Mm. The second bad wave after the mutation into mega flu started in September of 1918, and um, that lasted about three months, the worst month being October. That's when most people died. The whole Spanish flu was pretty much over by mid-1919. Mm -hmm. um, the third wave was bad, and if it hadn't been for the second wave, the third wave would be considered the worst flu ever, but because they just had the worst flu ever, it was like the second worst flu ever. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't as bad as the second wave. Because right. I think people had built immunity to it and it eventually kind of just died out. Mm -hmm. um, it took longer to get to Australia because we just have natural kind of quarantine by virtue of being an island. Mm -hmm. And back then, you know, there weren't people coming and going as often as they are now. It wasn't easy to get here. Um, but also we could see what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to take measures that other countries weren't. Like we had more time to put stuff into place. Um, we could see how bad it was and we could prepare um, we didn't start reporting cases until, um, early 1919. So we missed that whole, like September to December of 1918 was when the most people died around the rest of the world, but we mm. didn't even really start getting it till 1919. And that's because all the soldiers were coming home because mm -hmm. the war ended in October and, you know, they got on the ships, took them a couple months to get here mm -hmm. and you can't really quarantine from like returning soldiers. So we tried. Mm -hmm. um, the Australian government kind of did what we're doing now. So they had all these emergency meetings and conferences to talk about how to handle it. 
They recommended um, masks. They closed schools. They banned public gatherings, so no theatre. They closed all restaurants, bars, everything. They told people to pretty much stay home. Um, and it didn't stop the flu, but it did slow the spread and ease the pressure on the health system, mm-hmm. um, which other countries didn't really have a chance to do. Um, and that's a part of the huge reason why a lot of people died from it as well, is that um, they all got it at once. The pressure on hospitals was massive and most of their good quality doctors and nurses from most countries were sent away to the war. So there was uh, no one around at home to... Mm. And then a lot of them also died themselves. So a lot of the nurses and doctors also died. And so then they just had like, you know, did you do science in high school? Come help out. Like they just were literally just chucking anyone in there to help. Um, And a lot of them just started refusing to treat people because it was so contagious and happened so fast and no one really got it. And they were like, I'm not going near you. Like a lot of people died alone in their homes, drowning in their own blood because no one would go near them once they had it. Like there was this thing as soon as you saw that purplish tinge on people's cheeks, it was like, get the F away from them. Mm -hmm. Um, Emergency hospitals were built here, but it wasn't really enough. Like um, same as everywhere else. I mean, people were mainly all over the world being buried in mass graves because they were, they didn't have the capacity to bury, you know, when 185,000 people are dying in a month, they're Mm. not all going to get a funeral. But plus they were also scared of the bodies Mm -hmm. being contagious. So they just chucked them all in big holes and put dirt on top of them. Mm. Um, Yeah, so Australia um, did okay. Um, We had, wait, what are my numbers here? We had a a population of 5 million 40% of the population ended up getting infected, but only 15,000 died, Mm -hmm. which is like one of the lowest percentages per 1,000 people. That's 2.7 in 1,000. That's one of the lowest in the whole world. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, of course, for like um, the luckier parts of the population. Like, for example, there were a lot of Aboriginal communities that were decimated. Some had mortality rates of like 60 70% Mm. um, because, you know, not only are they not used to our regular flu, they're not, they're especially not used to Mm -hmm. a mega flu. Um, So yeah, I mean, everybody tried to do what they could. Australia had more time to prepare than other countries did, but also um, there was a problem with people not taking it as seriously as they should have, which is why I think we have the attitude that we have with COVID-19 at the moment. Like Mm. it seems like they're are all these doctors on the news and online saying, you don't understand, we need to stop this spreading. If we don't stop it spreading, it's going to get worse. You need to do social distancing. You need to do this stuff. Um, And doctors were saying that back then, but people were like, is it really a matter? And um, probably the most famous case of social distancing playing a huge role in protecting people during the Spanish flu was between Philadelphia and St. Louis. So... Um, because all these soldiers were coming back from the war, there were all these parades planned Mm. and the, uh, person, like the government person in charge of health in Philadelphia, um, approved the parade to go ahead. He was Mm -hmm. like, it's fine, whatever, let's have the parade. Like it's a flu, no big deal. Um, the person in charge of health in St. Louis said, no, everyone needs to stay home. We're canceling the parade. No one can go. We've got to protect ourselves. After the parade in Philadelphia, um, 
12,000 people died in the next few weeks. 16,000 people died in the next couple months and they had like pretty much the highest rate of infection of any city anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. In St. Louis, their death toll for the entire Spanish flu outbreak didn't go over 700. Right. So that's like a very famous example Mm -hmm. of the difference social distancing can make. Mm -hmm. There was also this guy, a really famous example, I can't remember his name, he was um he ran a movie theater and in New York um there was this very popular silent movie coming out about the war i think it starred charlie chaplin but i may be wrong mm-hmm. um but it was this movie that everyone wanted to see and the government had said social distancing you have to stay home we're closing bars we're closing public gatherings and he um went to all the major newspapers in New York and paid to have an ad printed basically saying like we're strong, screw the government, like, come see this movie, like, Mm. don't let the flu tell you what to do and this movie's going to be great and I'm screening it next week and everybody come. And that man died before the ads were even printed in the paper. So by the time the paper came (laughs) out with these full-page ads, he had gotten Spanish flu and died. Oh, dear. I know. So there's a lot of examples like that of people not taking it seriously. Mm. And it having catastrophic effects on, Mm. you know, in the case of Philadelphia, entire cities, Mm. Um, which is why they say it's better safe than sorry, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like what they're saying now. Like a lot of people are saying that all this social distancing stuff is overreacting and we're going to cripple the economy. And Mm. I mean, I felt it myself. I've lost out on a lot of money over Mm -hmm. the next few months. And I mean, everybody's going to kind of be struggling financially, I think, for a while. And people are saying, well, what if nothing happens and it's all an overreaction? And it's like, but if nothing happens, that means what we did worked. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where you can never quite Mm. prove it. Although America seems effed. So I feel like we'll see what would have happened over there. Mm -hmm. Although they seem to be doing more than us now. Because like New York's completely shut down. Schools, Mm. restaurants, bars, everything. And we're not yet. Why do they think America is so effed? Because they just took a really, they've the same as UK, they've been very slow to respond. Mm-hmm. They haven't really taken it seriously. They don't really seem to be testing enough people. They don't really seem to be enforcing any kind of, like uh, up until the last couple of days, enforcing any kind of social distancing rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they think, and they are also at a point where they, their cases of infection are worse than what Italy's were a few weeks ago and Italy has since become effed and right. America's, like, worse than they were at the same point. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. Um, then about halfway through 1919, it was pretty much over. So it just came and went. Yep. It doesn't exist to this day. Well, it didn't, Mm. Um, but then a scientist went back and dug up a woman, an Indigenous American woman, um, to test samples of her tissue Mm. um, and to, like, track the kind of genome 
sequence mm-hmm. of the flu or whatever. That may be the totally wrong. It sounds impressive. Yes. <laughs> um, and he did. And that's how we know things about it, like mm-hmm. that it was an H1N1, which means it mutated with some kind of bird thing. And like, and so testing those samples of tissue taught us a lot, but he didn't just test it. He also um, used those samples to recreate the virus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like a dark version of Jurassic Park. <laughs> kind of, I guess. Mm. Yes. And um, I don't know if that, like, ended up bad. Maybe they just put it in a box and it's in a freezer somewhere. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's... To be used for germ warfare when the time is right. I guess. Mm. Who knows? But um, so it did... They did recreate it, but it hasn't, you know, since spread. But also it is like, you know... My boyfriend, Jeff Goldblum, in Jurassic Park says, life finds a way. Finds, uh, 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 finds a way. <laughs> and um, the, that's what the flu is. The flu is just a constantly mutating life force mm. that changes and adapts. And it's always beating us. Mm. That's why there'll never be a cure for the common cold, because the common cold is never common. Like, it's this kind of cold, and then we develop a vaccine, and then it mutates with another kind of cold, and then it becomes some, something entirely new. And that's why every year they say you should get a flu vaccine, because every year they've added something to the vaccine to protect against even extra mutated flu viruses. Mm. I mean, they're saying that they'll have a vaccine for COVID-19 in like a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And this will just, and that will then be added to the yearly flu shot, mm-hmm. like until another massive thing comes along. Mm-hmm. It is kind of weird though that like this has happened almost a hundred years exactly since. Oh since yeah, it's like we're anniversarizing it. I know. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that this is the, the one that has spread um, at like quick as as quickly or comparatively quickly as Spanish flu did, mm-hmm. it's also taken us by surprise in a way that, like, a lot of other flus haven't. I mean, there was SARS and there was um, swine flu, mm-hmm. which, by the way, did you know that it's not called swine flu because it came from pigs? It's called swine flu just because it was similar to a flu that pigs commonly got. Oh. Pigs got a bad rap from that. Just like bats are getting a bad rap. This time around. Well, they think it might be bats. Mm. I mean, if because, you know, there's that end scene in Contagion, which, of course, I watched on the weekend, mm-hmm. which is where they track back where the Contagion started. And it was because a bat ate some fruit and then the fruit that the bat ate fell out of its mouth into a pig pen and then the pig ate the fruit. And there's something about the flu in that bat and the flu in that pig it was a one in a billion shot that those flu genes would ever link together. But when they did, mega flu. <laughs> so that's what happened with Spanish flu. And uh-huh. that's what they think happened here uh-huh. with COVID-19. And so that's kind of it. It just kind of petered out and that was the end. Wow. That was very dark. Informative? Very informative. <laughs> True. Yes, 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 yes. I'm just picturing people bleeding from every orifice yeah. and dying within a few hours of feeling a symptom. That whole inflammation thing I found really fascinating because I kept looking up like, well, your immune system reacting is just inflammation. And I was like, but what does that mean? And it's like when you get some kind of virus, mm. the symptoms you get, like, you know, your tonsils swelling up and getting pussy or like all that, that's just 
that's called inflammation and mm. that's your body trying to heal and protect itself. Mm-hmm. So if you have an overabundance of that, your body will just eat itself and you'll die. Wow. doesn't seem to be to a lot of the actual virus's benefit. What do you mean? Well, if it, the goal of the virus, you would think, is to like continue to spread and spread and spread throughout yeah. the population so that it can continue to sustain and yeah. mutate and blah, 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 blah. If you're moving into a host that you then sort of immobilize mm. in a very short period of time, then they yeah. don't have a lot of opportunity to pass it on mm. to further people. So it seems like a pretty unsuccessful virus from the virus's point of view, that it didn't guess, stick around for all that long. Mm, that's true. But like I said, it does keep mutating, keeps going. Mm. Like it, then it just goes bloop, 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 and then shifts into something else. And then it's a different kind of flu. Mm. And then like, I mean, technically humans are a virus. We're just a better one. Mm-hmm. Like we <laughs> adapt and grow and change and, and. We're a plague. We are though. Mm. If you consider, if you consider like the planet Earth, a human body, we mm. are a virus on that body and we're doing okay. But so we are kind of just the most successful virus. Just waiting for those alien predators to come and take us out at a certain point. Well, which, there'll be the vaccination. Which they only will when they think we're getting smart enough, according to Dr. Matt Agnew, which I feel like is a long way off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're not close. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just big, big concepts and questions this week. Yeah, indeed. It's cray cray. Mm. Yeah. You look wiped. Yeah, well, I don't really have a science brain. So <laughs> it's been, <laughs> it's been like a lot of squinting and concentrating and trying to understand things I don't really understand. But, you know, this is just the gist and that is, I'm sure professional medical people will tell you that that literally was just the gist (laughs) of the Spanish flu. And that's why we don't claim that this podcast is anything more than that because that's all I have to offer. That's as far as my understanding goes. But that is just the gist of the Spanish flu. Just a vague impressionistic watercolour of what it was like. Yeah. Cool. Well, honestly, I learned heaps that I didn't know. Good. So thank you very, very much. All right. And so, I mean, we might go into lockdown over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, under his eye, Godspeed. Good luck to us all. Who knows what's going to happen? I've got enough pasta at home to last about four days. Well, that'll clog you up. Enough toilet paper to keep me going till about 11 p.m. tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> Everyone's going to find some really creative solutions pretty soon. I know. Mm. So um, good luck to us all. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll keep recording. I mean, we've been told that if we can't come in here to record, we can do it via this app on our phones. Yeah. So we may just give you some shittier quality recordings, but we'll still do the podcast. Because life finds a way. Life finds a way. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well... Talk to you next week, sweet pig. All right, love you. Good luck out there. Mega flow. <laughs> <laughs> Listener.